Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scott of HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, my co-host and our salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin, joins me for a jam-packed edition of the Hoops Hype podcast. I hope you're sitting down with your seatbelts buckled because we've got a lot to get to. We're going to discuss the latest on Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, rookie scale extension eligible players, and some remaining rookie scale team option guys as well. But Yossi, leading off, we got to start with Kyrie Irving. Uh, In a statement, Nets general manager Sean Marks said that the team has decided Kyrie Irving will not play or practice with the team until he's eligible to be a full participant. Uh, In that statement, Marks said that Kyrie has made a personal choice and we respect his individual right to choose. Currently, the choice restricts his ability to be a full-time member of the team and we will not permit any member of the team to participate with part-time availability. Uh, you'll see my initial thoughts on this uh, were a couple of things. One, I think obviously in the short term, it hurts Brooklyn's chances as a championship contender. They still have plenty of assets to, to be a contender, but they're obviously a better team with Kyrie Irving. Uh, the guy has made one of the biggest shots in finals history when he was in Cleveland. Um, but I also questioned how will this affect James Harden's desire to sign an extension with the Nets and Kyrie Irving's desire to extend with the Nets as well. You know, both of them had been in talks with the Nets and management with Sean Marks. Uh, curious now how this is going to affect those talks. Obviously, Kevin Durant got done. And I think if you're the Nets, you should be thankful that that ink dried on that because certainly uh, that makes things a lot easier knowing that at least you got Durant signed. And then, you know, two other thoughts came to mind when I saw this, that the signing of Patty Mills went from a luxury to a necessity with Kyrie being out. And I'm not saying he's going to be Olympics Patty Mills, but he's certainly going to have a bigger role for this team. And I I think quietly the unanswered question here is, could the New York City mandate change after a new mayor is elected? I don't know. I'm not a political expert by any stretch of the imagination. I am not Michael Scotto from New York One News here in New York, folks. Do not get it twisted. But it's a question that I thought of. Um, Yossi, when you saw this, what, what was going through your mind? Well, whenever you when I heard that the Kyrie news, you basically have there's two train of thoughts either you think that Kyrie's actually going to go through with this or he's eventually or he's just gonna get the shot after however long he wants to uh, keep going about this so uh, if if you you know if he really means this and he doesn't want to play and for uh he's gonna actually like not play at all now because the Nets 
have decided that he will not be part-time, then, you know, I'm looking at their roster. I'm looking at who they've got. And I, you know, they go from, to me, to me they go from heavy favorites to like very also slight favorites, which is crazy because they just lost one of the best point guards in the league. And uh, if he's not going to play and, yeah, you're talking about Patty Mills. Like, not that Patty Mills is gonna produce even like eighty percent of what Kyrie's gonna provide, but you know, like it just seems like to me, if you got Harden and KD and they're gonna be healthy enough, uh, he slides right in so seamlessly, and I would probably still pick him to go to to uh, to get it to the finals if fully healthy, but now. I don't know, I'm looking at the Bucks and the Hawks and, you know, I, now it's definitely a lot more even if it comes to that. But uh, what, I, what do I think is going to happen? I think he'll still get the shot at some point. Uh, I thought the Nets might let Kyrie be a part-time player and live through the restrictions, betting that he would be start, you know, become miserable. And with all these restrictions, you know, you can't do anything. You could like get fined and get in like like have some like criminal problems if you like travel in Toronto and leave the hotel. Like it, if you go through with this, it your life's gonna be hell. Um, especially if you're in the LA or New York markets. So you know, I had a feeling that maybe they're gonna let him just go through with this for a little while, let him be miserable, and then subsequently he'll he'd get vaccinated. And I commend them for putting their foot down on this part-time stuff. And it sucks that I had to get to this point uh, and that they had to get this, to this point that they needed to make this decision and this statement. Um, but I'm, I think he will get it. Like maybe, maybe this statement will get him to take it sooner. I, I, I'm sure he'll take it. I don't think he's going to miss out on all that money. Maybe him making his, uh, uh, with the, that Sean's article saying his reasons, maybe that can now that he's got that out there, maybe he can start to, uh, you know, slowly not it's weird to say not transition is not the right word, but like actually get it at some point, like slowly start getting it, even though it just takes a second. I'm not banking uh, on him getting it right now just because with Kyrie. Um, when he puts his mind to something, it just seems like it's just where he's at. And Kyrie has always been different um, in terms of his thinking. You talk to any former teammates and coaches, that's one word they will use to describe him. He is different. Right. Um, so my thinking is now that he got this, his reasoning out there, that can get him closer to taking this, uh, whatever the whatever his process might be. So uh, and then, you know, you're talking about the long term stuff. Uh, especially with the extensions and you know I would I would imagine maybe some people in the front office maybe even ownership could be growing out of patience uh, especially because if you extend him you, you know it just could be a matter of time when something like this happens again maybe not to this level because you know we're, I don't know what can equate to you know this like not taking oh, you vaccine mean, during a oh you mean like pandemic, sitting out but, last season uh, sorry <laughs> like sitting out last season yeah no like so it could be stuff like that just you know whatever yeah. gets him to not play you're right so they they know what they signed listen the nets know yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now the nets knew what they signed up for 
but the talent was too good. When they signed Kyrie and all the stuff about, you know, the culture and, you know, et cetera, they knew what they were doing. It came with Kevin Durant and they knew that it put them in a, a potential. It gave them an opportunity to be a championship contender. They knew what they were doing. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, but he never did. He never like took time off quite like this, like he did last season. I don't think I don't think anyone. No, but it's it's saw this coming. No, but at the same time, I, you know, when he did take off time last year and now this failure to get the vaccination um, and and missing these home games, it, it hurts the team. It yes. does. There's no denying that. And, yep. um, you know, like that's something that needs to be weighed as well. Like and, you know, again, Kevin Durant, who wanted to play with him, like how does Kevin Durant feel about this behind the scenes? You think KD? I mean, they got his guy Harden, too. But you don't think that Kevin Durant feels a certain way? I'm not putting words in his mouth. I don't know what he's feeling. But I would feel personally a certain way if somebody that I joined forces with was going to miss half the season. And, you know, last year, you know, I know he had to deal with some things and some personal stuff, but he did miss time. It makes you question someone's commitment. And you cannot sit there and bank on that person. You can't. Right. Because it seems like a lot of players have been in the camp of, you know, players it's a personal choice however they want to do but then as a team yeah you got to start questioning the commitment and the group dynamic and it's like hey look we all you know i respect your choice but hey we all took it and i was saying uh i think last episode or two episodes ago yeah this type of thing could destroy a team and i think the nets they realized that they came to the conclusion that if they let him do this part-time stuff this they're just better off not having this at all right but like I said, I think he will. My guess is he will take it. Uh, he'll get back with a team at some point. Um, and but uh, back to my point, like you know, the front office ownership. Maybe some people could be running out of patience. Just not good for his extension chances. I'll just say that. Well, in going from one guy that you you have to question his uh, commitment to the team a little bit in one market, will go not too far away. Ben Simmons with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, ben Simmons is reported back to Philadelphia. And Ben Simmons going back to Philadelphia reminds me a lot of Marshawn Lynch doing his Super Bowl media interviews saying he just didn't want to get fined. And when George Costanza showed up back up on Seinfeld when uh, he after he got fired and um you know, after all the comments from Doc Rivers questioning whether they can win a title with Ben as a point guard and Joel Embiid called him out after Simmons requested a trade through the media. And uh, you've got the booze from Philadelphia fans that they're going to shower this man with. I don't see how he can go back and everything can be sunshine and rainbows like a Rocky Balboa movie. It's, it's not going to happen. And so, you know, again, I just think he's doing this now. He made a he made a point. He got fined and he lost a you know a million dollars. And granted, this guy's kind of max contract. It's not gonna totally ruin him, but a million dollars is a million dollars. He made his point. We'll see what happens now. Uh if they try to make him out with an injury listing or whatnot. But obviously Philadelphia wants to try to repair this. But uh, you know, this would be the extent of going to like 
marriage counseling times 10 between like both of these sides, if this would even possibly work, which again, I don't see it. Um, but time will tell where, uh, what the future holds for, uh, Ben Simmons. I mean, I wouldn't say it can't get repaired, but I would probably put it maybe like a five to 10% chance max that the can, things can actually get repaired. And it's funny because when it was reported that he went, he rejoined the Sixers, it was followed up. I think Woj tweeted that the Sixers are going to, um, they want to do everything they can to show Ben that this is the, this, they want him in the long term, something along those lines. And, uh, even though I'm pretty sure it's kind of like a mutual thing that both sides want to move on, uh, maybe just some posturing to help with his value, get him to play. Uh, but I was saying a couple weeks ago, uh, I thought that he should join camp if he wants to expedite his trade uh, demand. Just try to make things as uncomfortable as possible. And I cited what Jimmy Butler and James Harden did. Uh, I mean, this is already a pretty uncomfortable situation. But um, at the same time, you know, Ben, I don't know what exactly he can do to make things like kind of as uncomfortable as those guys did. Um, you know, it just seems a little more passive than those guys. Um, maybe he can just every time he gets the ball pass a lot more like he did in game seven versus the Hawks. Maybe like every time he gets the ball, maybe the Sixers decide to trade him faster. I don't know. But just if he's in there and there, he's doing something or, you know, just his presence is not helping the team, uh, maybe he'll get what he wants faster. Uh, I never I, – I, I knew he would come back. Uh, there's no way he was going to sacrifice all that money, but now he's there. And maybe we'll get to resolution a lot sooner now. Well, we'll see what happens. But I, I certainly could see him pulling that type of card and – um, I mean, there's, you know, two ways to go about it. You can go the way James Harden did and kill it and then, uh, you know, vocally express your frustration in the media or uh, you just continue to try to not play. But I think the media is probably the best bet. Uh, Harden was saying we're not good enough after a Rockets game and the next day they shipped them out. Um, could be something there. Well. Wow. Time will tell on that. But speaking of telling time, we do have extension deadlines coming up for players around the league. And some top players are eligible for contract extensions, but the deadline is ticking. So the first two guys that come to mind are on the Phoenix Suns. And you're looking at DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges. Um, you know, you'll see with DeAndre Ayton, this is a guy that's clearly looking for a max or bust um, there was a video posted from Dwayne Rankin, um, our USA Today colleague, and uh, he covers the Suns. And in the video, Aiton said that Aiton said, quote, I love Phoenix, but I'm really disappointed that we haven't gotten a deal done yet. We were two wins away from a championship. I just really want to be respected, to be honest, like my peers are being respected by their teams. Um, you know, this situation, Yossi, reminds me of the talks Atlanta had with John Collins when he was eligible for an extension. But the difference is Aiton and the Suns, they went much further than the Hawks did with Collins at the time of those talks. And um, he's shown that he's one of the better big men in the league. 
which by the way, you can find out where Aiton ranks on our Hoops Hype uh, top 22 centers for the 2021-22 season. We ranked each position top 22 because it's going into the 2022 season. I know some people wondered why we went to 22, but I and I digress and I'll bring it back. Um, in other news, you know, Mikhail Bridges is a guy that could be valued in the $20 million annual range, according to some around the league. So I'm curious if Phoenix is going to get these extensions done or not. They're clearly core members of this team and they are young. Uh, they've both played their role to the best of their ability and it's shown what Phoenix can do when they are a part of this team as young core members. So I would like to think they get something done, but if not, Phoenix is uh, going to be, in my opinion, testing the chemistry of this team a little bit because I don't know what more you can do to get rewarded than being two wins away from the finals. Uh, with or without an extension this season, I think they'll be just as fine. Uh, I don't think it should affect their chemistry. But with that said, I would expect that both extensions do get done. Um, and you brought up John Collins, the his situation, and that's what and that's what came to mind immediately for me. Uh, I think the Suns could be looking at what John Collins got and maybe try to get Aiden back somewhere in between what Collins got in the max. So. Collins, he didn't get the maximum, which would have averaged about $30 million a year. Said he got $25 million a year, and the max Aiden is projected for is just about a $35 million a year. So I think negotiations for this one could go up until the last minute. Uh, Phoenix, though, clearly trying to alleviate their expenses as much as possible since next year's team onward will be expensive, especially factoring in Mikhail Bridges' extension. Uh, you mentioned like the $20 million range. I that's the range that also came to mind for me. I think he definitely gets that. At least. Um, you know, I think that you're spot on with, with that analysis from a cap perspective, as always. Um, you know, we talked about Mikhail at 20 million, another guy that could get 20 plus million in an extension, Colin Sexton with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's not a max guy. Uh, so, you know, you wonder what makes sense. Is it like 22 and a half million is it 25 million um you know that'd be a little bit more than the Fred Van Vliet, Lonzo Ball and Malcolm Brogdon contracts over the past couple of years internally Cleveland values Sexton's durability and I saw this from Tommy Beer of Basketball News Sexton became the second youngest player in NBA history behind Kevin Durant to average 24-plus points while shooting over 47% from the field and 37% from three-point range. thought that was interesting. Um, so I don't I, I don't know. To me, like I said, I think it's if you know if you can get Sexton in that just above that 20 million in the 25 million range, maybe to get something done. Again, I to me, a, a sweet middle ground might be like low 20s, uh, but time will tell on that one. Yeah, it's really tough for me to put a value on Sexton. On one hand, he seems limited by his size and uh, playmaking, but at the other hand, he's an excellent scorer and he's only going to get better going forward. Uh, you brought up some interesting comps like Van Vliet, Ball, Brogdon, but I think if you're Sexton, you're looking at that Terry Rozier extension that he just got, and you're saying, I don't want anything less than that. Rozier is going to get roughly $25 million a year, so with that comp, I agree with $25 million. Uh, 
Uh, Cleveland can give them that type of money. They won't have to worry about being in the luxury tax next year. And uh, despite giving big money also to Jared Allen and Lori Markinen, they should be able to still avoid the tax going forward when Darius Garland's up for an extension, since Kevin Love's money will come off the books by then. Another young guy that's uh, considered a part of the core of his team that's extension eligible. You got Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Memphis Grizzlies, was the, voted the number two breakout player in our Hoops Hype Executives poll that I wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago. Make sure you check that out on hoopsite.com as well. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., a guy coming off an, a major injury. Uh, to me, Memphis has the leverage here and, and should make him show that he's healthy before overpaying him. Now, if you can sign him to a deal where you get some injury protection, maybe that makes sense. Um, but pegging his value is a little bit tough for me because, uh, you know, I think he's got the ability certainly to stretch the floor and block shots. He's a very much a modern day center. I just don't know where he's at in his recovery. And if I was Memphis, I would want to see where he's at. Hopefully, you know, he's entering the year fully healthy. Yeah, he is also a little tough to put some value to put a value on him, especially because of his unavailability. But I, I personally, I'm pretty high on Jackson, and I really like what I've seen from him in the small amount of time he's played. And I think that if he did play all of last year and built off his 2019-20 season, which was pretty good, maybe he would be in a similar max or nothing discussion like Aiden's having right now. Uh, but even despite all that, I think he should still get north of 20 million annually uh that might seem high for a lot of for a lot and for a lot of people since he hasn't played that much but i still think he should be able to get that kind of range maybe even more and you mentioned uh injury type of protection maybe memphis wants to partially guarantee the final year of his deal in case of a major injury like denver just did with michael porter jr so i i think if I might, again, I might be way off, but I get the feeling that if he does sign an extension, it's, it'll be it could be something perceived as a little much. But at the same time, he could also bet on himself and prove he's worth more. Uh, though I'm, I think most players will want to avoid free agency. So I, I my feeling is that a lot of the guys that we're discussing, maybe m- most of them, if not all of them, will probably have an extension. In my opinion. I agree with you. And, you know, folks, Yossi wrote an article on Hoopsype why the 2022 free agent market could be dry. I would suggest you take a look at it. There's not a lot of money out there. Hence why he's mentioning that a lot of these guys could sign extensions. Uh, another guy who could be in that boat. We talked about Mikhail Bridges, but there's also Miles Bridges from the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and I'm told Miles Bridges and the Hornets have had discussions about a possible contract extension. Uh, Hoops Hype has learned. And now some around the league believe a possible floor for Bridges, this is Miles Bridges, of course, would be around the $20 million range annually. Uh, Personally, I don't know if I see Charlotte going too much more than that if they were trying to keep him. But they've got a nice young core here. You talked about. Uh, you'll see Terry Rozier's new deal. They've paid Gordon Hayward. You're going to go over the salary cap at this point, and you've got a guy that's a young core member. It would make sense to lock him up as part of your core and, and see what this team can be in the future. 
Yeah, if the Hornets give Bridges 20 million a year, I'm with it. I I think he might easily outplay that range over the over the span of that deal. Uh, and his resume as far might not shut out 20 million annually. But uh, you also got to look at Charlotte's financial situation. After extending Rozier, they're probably not going to have cap space over the short term. So they might as well lock down Bridges too while they can if they get him on a number they like and. Uh, they won't have any they're not gonna have any tax issues in the near term uh so uh you know it seems like they wanna uh, based on what they've done this offseason they just want to lock down their core and i would expect they'll do the same with bridges you know another team that's uh in the east that has a guy that is rookie scale extension eligible that's an interesting guy you got kevin herder on the atlanta hawks now he might command Kevin Herter might command Joe Harris type of money. Now some around the league see Herter as a guy that's around the eighteen million dollar annual range. Um, this is a guy that was key to Atlanta's playoff run. You know, Red Velvet, one of the best nicknames. And you know, every time I see him, I think of like Rick Astley and the Never Gonna Give You Up, Never Gonna Let You Down. That video, and I get a kick out of him. Um, kick and shoot the ball, play a little bit in the pick and roll. Um, to me, again, you'll see those are some of the numbers I've heard as a salary cap expert. Curious your take on that. I think that range is fair. Maybe I don't think Atlanta would want to give him that much, but uh, if we're just talking about his value in general, I do think that's fair. But Atlanta, they're going to have a lot of they got they're already paying everybody. Trey Young just got paid. John Collins just got paid. And, you know, they could extend Kevin Herter now, but then next summer they're going to have these same talks with DeAndre Hutter and Cam Reddish. And they're probably going to be looking at that range as well, at least, if not more, in their next new deals. So Atlanta's going to be very expensive because of that. I I think they'll have some pause on paying Herter quite that much, especially since uh, if with how deep they are, he might not even be starting. But uh, you know, I I think the Hawks have a have a title contender, possibly even this year. So I could, well, it'll be interesting. I think that could be really like the most interesting negotiation because, uh, I I want to say that it should get done, but at the same time, uh, wouldn't be shocked if there's like enough of a discrepancy, this thing doesn't get done. You know, it's interesting you brought up DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, that's a guy that they'll have to pay as well. But you touched on Cam Reddish. I would forecast Atlanta tries to move him because I think they've got plenty of guys at his position. He's still a nice young trade asset that another team could use. And so they don't have to get locked into paying him too much and worrying about the luxury tax. But, you know, we've touched on so far, you'll see guys that we think could get a deal done that are extension eligible. And some other guys are more on the borderline. And you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, you've got Dante DiVincenzo. You've got uh, Grayson Allen. By the way, Dante DiVincenzo, happy Columbus Day. Oh, uh, the irony here is that uh, DiVincenzo, uh, I think they call him the Big Ragu, which, and by the way, if you're Italian and you are ever nicknamed the Ragu, uh, if you've ever had Ragu store-bought sauce, and an Italian looks at you sideways, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Nonetheless, 
the irony here is that DiVincenzo was supposed to be a Sacramento king in the Bogdan Bogdanovich signing trade. That obviously fell through. We know that. Um, and, you know, if you're comparing paying Dante DiVincenzo or Grayson Allen, I think Dante is a guy that is better defensively. And he's been a guy that started for them. So I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic for them to uh, hash out. And I'm curious which way it goes, if at all, if, if one of those two guys gets an extension done or not. I really like both players. I think both are worthy of extensions. I would think that the Bucks want to get something done with at least one of those guys. And just based on his experience with them, I would figure that's going to be Dante. Uh, they don't. The Bucks don't have any flexibility going forward, so they won't be able to replace these guys unless maybe one of their uh, and the bench guards like Jordan Nuara or Elijah Bryant really break out. So I think there's a good chance that they lock down Dante. Uh, maybe they want to get a look at Allen before committing to him. So maybe they'll let him hit restricted free agency. And then you've also got. I'm trying to think of other guys that. Could be borderline guys. Uh, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., who was traded to the Orlando Magic in the Nikola Vucevic deal. Um, to me, guy that he shows flashes, but he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. Um, you know, what can he get in your estimation if they come to an extension? Because you're talking about a guy – you know, a younger guy, you look at starters around the league, you can come up with a ballpark figure. I just don't know because um, he hasn't shown it that he can stay on the floor for a full season yet if if they get it done. Right. That's the issue here. So, you know, if had he never had any major injuries and, you know, he had that one ankle injury with the Bulls in his second year. And ever since that, he – he hadn't quite been the same, but the trade to Orlando really rejuvenated him and he really got back to form. I, if had that injury not happened, he'd just been consistent all the way. I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking about Wendell Carter as like a $20 million a year guy, but uh, clearly that's going to play into negotiations. So uh, if you just look at their history of extensions to rookies, uh, players on rookie scale contracts, and they like to, they'll extend a lot of those type of guys. They've given very, team-friendly amounts to guys over the years like to Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon. And recently, Michael Fultz got, I think, like two for 30 guaranteed and Jonathan Isaacs getting $17 million a year uh, over four years. I really like those amounts for these players. Um, I can see Wendell getting somewhere in like the 12 to 16 mil range annually. That's you know, I think that's fair for him. I'm I'm a little higher on Wendell Carter than most, especially when he's healthy. And uh, you know, I I if they can get him back at a number in that range, I would say definitely lock him up. Another guy whose range is going to be interesting, and I think it's lost in the shuffle with Phoenix because they're obviously focused on DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges, but Landry Shamit, who went to Phoenix in the Javon Carter trade with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Landry Shamit is eligible for an extension, and the Suns and Shamit have had ongoing dialogue about a possible extension. Hoops Hype has learned. Uh, one source I spoke to categorized an extension as 50-50, quote, by the deadline. Um, you know, Landry, guy that could shoot the ball, um, and he can play either guard spot at times. 
Uh, I would like to think that he's going to thrive in Phoenix under Monty Williams and have a big year. His range, uh, that's a little bit more interesting to see. Is it in like the 12 plus million dollar range? Does he hit free agency or not? Uh, what is the forecast for you, Yossi? Well, Andrew Shamit's a guy who I remember when he was a rookie with the Sixers and he really shined. It was making every three and then goes to the Clippers. And I, I felt like that was just such a good opportunity for him. And then once they got Kawhi and George, I really liked that roster. And Shammy was a big reason as to why, but couldn't quite get back to being consistent. And same kind of story went on in Brooklyn. So hopefully in Phoenix, he finds a home and he can get back on track. How do you feel about Lonnie Walker with the Spurs? Because I... I can't say I've heard anything is imminent here, but um, you know, trying to figure out his range is a little bit murky for me. Um, you know, my forecast is a little uh, partly cloudy, as the weathermen would say. What what do you see for him, Yossi? Yeah, kind of like with Shamid, probably the MLE as well. Um, especially and with the Spurs, it's they they have so many guards now. They keep drafting more guards year after year. So here was a guy I was thinking maybe they would look to trade him for some front court help. And, you know, but they seems like they like him and maybe they want to bring him for something that I don't figure that makes sense for them, especially after re-signing, I mean, extending Deontay Murray and Derek White. So we'll see. But kind of like with Shaman, just I suppose he somewhere in the MLE, MLE range. So those are guys that are kind of borderline guys. We'll take a look at some unlikely extension candidates. Uh, you know, a couple guys off the bat. Think of these are guys that are unlikely, of course. Uh, the Knicks with Kevin Knox. Um, boy, you know, I always if, if that team would have took Michael Porter Jr. Um, and swung for the fences, that would have been something. But there's like I, five other teams you can. You oh, the Clippers, the Clippers, the Clippers are one too, by the way. Like they got, uh, yeah. I think it was Jerome Robinson and, and whatnot. But, you know, I'm here in New York. So that was the first one came to mind. And I thought that would have been a good fit for them at the time. But, you know, what did I know? Um, I, another guy that unlikely, um, Marvin Bagley. Now, Sacramento has been dangling this man uh, with the for sale sign in trades like, uh, Caraco suits and their five for one sale. And uh, so I would be shocked if this guy gets an extension. I certainly don't see it. Um, the Orlando Magic also got, you know, we talked about Wendell Carter. It's ironic because Mo Bamba is also eligible for a contract extension. Now, you know, before we close the book on Mo Bamba in Orlando, I will say that I previously heard management was higher on Mo Bamba than. Steve Clifford, who was the former coach. And you'll see some other guys that come to mind as, you know, unlikely to get a deal done as far as an extension. Josh Okoge, um, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, stats were down last season. There's a clearly a new direction in Minnesota going on with management. So that usually doesn't add up to an extension. Uh, you got the Wizards with Aaron Holiday. I'm told there's no current extension talks there, but the Wizards like him and they'll probably end up evaluating him with the team this season. Uh, I think you can put Anthony si- Anthony Simons with the Portland Trailblazers in the unlikely category to get an extension done. Um, and Troy Brown Jr. with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I 
don't quite see any of these guys getting an extension. Maybe they get some type of offers, but nothing that they probably wouldn't be able to get on the open market. Um, I guess, from my opinion, I was thinking maybe Anthony Simons could get something since the Blazers are really high on him. But if you're saying you've heard otherwise, then uh, maybe not. Uh, I We were talking about Landry Shaman earlier. Uh, I think him and Aaron Holiday, two players that recently have been traded, uh, I think they'll have to show their teams little, just a little bit what they're made of first before uh, evaluating their future. But yeah, for the most part, I don't see any of these guys getting an extension. And last but not least, as we kind of round up the latest edition of the Hoopside podcast, you've got guys that have rookie-scale team options for next season that are not a lock to be picked up. Because you know Most of these guys, usually their options do get picked up. So there are a handful of guys that may not. Uh, the number one guy that sticks out to me is Jarrett Culver with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, guy that's shot less than 41% in two seasons with Minnesota before uh, he saw a dramatically decreased role in his second season there. Now he goes to Memphis. They're pretty loaded at his position. I don't see that one happening, Yossi. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll decline him. They're taking a flyer on him and give him a shot in the G League. And, you know, maybe he shows he's an NBA rotation player and they like to bring him back, but probably not at $8 million. One guy I think is not a slam dunk, I'll say that, would be Romeo Langford on the Celtics. You know, he can get $5.6 million on his next team option. Uh, you know, he struggled to stay healthy and he shot – 35% in his first two seasons so far in the league with Boston. Um, I, I know most people might say, well, no, nah, maybe that. Why, why would you not? He's young and, you know, he was drafted in the first round. But as we saw with uh, Luka Samanich, you never know with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, he was a guy that was top 20 and he got waived. So um, I think that uh, that's just one guy I would say is not a slam dunk. Yeah, it's interesting. Now it looks like some front offices are being a little more impatient than usual when it comes to their cutting bait with their first round picks. Uh, you just mentioned Lucas Samanich. Uh, another example, uh, the Clippers had Mfiandu, Kevin Gailey. They declined a uh, third-year team option. That's super early. And uh, Sekundumboya, who was not even Houston or Brooklyn wanted to take a shot on him, he got cut in. Now he'll get a two-way with the Lakers. And uh, Romeo Langford, interesting. I honestly hadn't considered maybe he could be a candidate to get his option declined. But uh, now that I think of it, seems pretty 50-50 to me. Uh, Celtics, I'm looking at their cap sheet into next year. They're already pretty well, I mean, not too well into the tax, but they're over the tax. They've got 12 players already on their roster. And they seem pretty set on the wing, especially after extending uh, Smart and Josh Richardson. And uh, so declining Langford at 5.6 million would save them some money. Uh, so this will, you know, they got to make that decision before the end of next week. Uh, but they should know by now that you know if he doesn't have any trade value and they already don't envision him in the rotation, then. May, might as well decline it now. One other guy, and again, smaller number, but the Utah Jazz with Yudoka Azabuki. 
Um, he didn't play a ton. He only played 15 games last year. It was only a couple of minutes a game. Uh, that was a guy I looked at as maybe a dude that, you know, if they're trying to save money, luxury tax, whatnot, maybe that has something to do there. But what say you? I think it's possible they could decline him. I'm, I, that one's also a little tricky, but I would definitely think it's a possibility. Uh, and I can't remember who wrote this, but I remember when the news came out that the Jazz moved on from Dennis Lindsay. There was something about how there was some disagreement on that pick when it happened. So if, if Azubuki really was a Lindsay guy like that, then maybe the front office could move on from him already, especially because they've got a – they got a very expensive team going forward. I mean, not that he's going to be making a, lot, a ton of money, um, but at the same time, two million. You can if you. The only other reason, if they don't want to keep him, the only re- other reason to keep him is if he had that tradable salary. But you can uh, sign someone to two million pretty easily. Well, you also we certainly had our share of a lot of potential moves and and whatnot already just to talk about now we haven't even started the season think about that for a second but um that'll wrap up a pretty extensive edition of the Hoopside podcast on behalf of my colleague yossi i want to thank everyone for tuning in and if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from nba players coaches executives and media members you can like and subscribe to it on spotify apple podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts you can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.